Dreams burnt to ash, hope tangled like laces, till love swept in with puns and funny faces. Where my path will lead, I can't be sure, but if ever I'm lost, I'll look up to her. Dreams. Episode 13 of uh, Aaron and Patricia. My name is Aaron. My name is Patricia. Yeah, and uh, this is uh, Lucy Loud from the Loud House uh, giving into her Billy Irish face. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Wait, 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 that's, that's crazy. Who, who did that version? Uh, Nickelodeon, would you believe? Oh. Nickelodeon himself wow. actually did, did something cool. So, uh, there we go. What do you know? Yeah, so. Yeah, so uh, coming up on the show today, uh, we're going to talk some politics. Uh, also, Avatar The Last Airbender, number one on Netflix after 15 years. Uh, so let's have a look into that. Uh, Fox News, every death is tragic, but. And so uh, talk about that too. Also, Finding Dory trending for it once again. And also, uh, recently released WWE Superstar has revealed some words that apparently are banned from the show. And also, we will be going through all of the daytime Emmy Award nominations. You're listening to Aaron and Patricia. Okay, so as we begin, uh, Patricia, uh, do you want to tell everybody what's going on on the Old School Lane podcast? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. So uh, thanks to this uh, wonderful co-host, I have a brand new laptop. And I have been doing uh, my transitions from my old files to my new ones. And um, I'm going back on track with um, everything that I have to catch up with. So coming up on the limelight for Old School Lane is... uh, the premiere of a new episode of Casual Chats, where my friends, uh, you know, Y-Boy and Nero from Toon Grin and I are going to be discussing about the um, animated film Scoob that just came out a few days ago. And uh, we'll be giving our thoughts on it. Uh, get comfortable. It's over two hours long. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I want to say a happy belated birthday to my co-host at this time. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, she is now... 34 years old, and uh, so it's uh, pretty much in the same line as me. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, welcome to the three and the four, and uh, the, uh, enjoy it while you can while we share this uh, number together, because in September I become three and five. So Right, right, well. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's enjoy it while we still can. Yeah. And then... And then for Friday, I'll be uploading something for Old School Lane interviews. I'll finally get a chance to upload my interview with uh, Daryl Vickers that I've been talking about over the past few months, uh, who was a writer for various um, TV shows, uh, such as the Johnny Carson show and uh, various other properties. So you'll be finally get to listen to that. So stay tuned. Also, I want to give a shout out to everybody on Memorial Day, uh, if you're listening to this on the Monday of uh, 25th. So Memorial Day is the United States federal holiday commemorating those who have died in military service to our country. So, And to those who currently are serving in the military, we thank you for your service. Absolutely. Thank you for everything that you've done. Okay. 
Um, let's move to the big news, I think we have to say, for this show. So, um, Avatar The Last Airbender has been a huge phenomenon, I think, for Nickelodeon. At one point, nearly eclipsing SpongeBob SquarePants, but uh, didn't get the opportunity to do so. But to be honest with you, I mean, I'm pretty glad that it didn't, because obviously it has re- retained its uh, uh, itself as a classic in uh, mm-hmm. no doubt when we've been uh, talking about the show, no doubt when we talk about it with various other people who uh, really love this program. And so um, I just want to say that uh, the big news that seems to have come out this week is that Avatar The Last Airbender did debut on Netflix, finally. And uh, despite the fact that this show is 15 years old, despite the fact that this show appeared on a uh, television network garnered towards 6 to 11 demographic, it seems to have been a hit with uh, the general Netflix audience. It is currently number one in uh, the trendings of uh, Netflix yeah. so far. Ex- um, exactly. Yeah, so. That That is amazing. So... Um, so I mean, like, I mean, it's good. It's something for everybody, to be honest with you. To be to be honest, so like, uh, it doesn't really surprise me that uh, this 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 program has um, uh, you know re- resonated with a lot of people. I mean, it's uh, a fantasy scenario, which um, I think Game of Thrones and various other shows that have also kind of like been of this this era. I mean, not another sorry, this era. This kind of like this format. I mean, it's a fantasy world with uh, a great story in it, and uh, with um, Avatar Aang being very relatable as, as someone who's had uh, a huge responsibility you know, put onto him at a very young age, and uh, not really wanting it, and then obviously trying to deal with the idea, with the fact that he's been absent for uh, hundreds of years, you know, in, in this, and then coming into a new world where he finds that everything has changed. Uh, and not for the better or anything like that, you know. It's uh, you could say it has some correlations with uh, Zelda Ocarina of Time in a way, you know, when um, young boy Link uh, is uh, frozen in stasis until he is old enough to kind of deal with the uh, deal with Ganon, in in a way. And so, for those of you who are Nintendo fans who have never actually heard of Avatar, uh, I think that's probably a good way to describe it. Um, so, I mean, and also as well, you've got, uh, you've got Sokka, you've got uh, various other, uh, you know, you've got Kitari, you've got various other hilarious characters as also as well, and also some characters that go from very serious arcs in this, and uh, it's uh, got, you know, the, these fantasy elements, but also it's got uh, really great, um, you know, emotional storytelling involved in it too. Like the fact that, uh, you know, uh, um, Kitara wants to, uh, you know, get a gun, get in revenge on uh, the fact that uh, one of these uh, Fire Nation soldiers once murdered her mother. And so um, there's that aspect of it too. There's also the creepy elements of it as well, the bloodbending. Oh God, the bloodbending. And so to me, like, you look at... uh, All I can really tell to everybody is that I can't really describe it all within a couple of minutes. I think I would just say to everybody, you have to go out and watch it. You know, watch it from beginning to finish. But I tell you, there's a really stupid um, article that was posted up, uh, which was... uh, um, saying that, oh, you shouldn't watch the first episode, which completely negates the fact that uh, it forgets to tell you the, that uh, Sokka and um, how basically how he's kind of like, you know, goofy and all this, how Ang is basically discovered and things like that. And uh, also it uh, obviously negates uh, to tell about, uh, you know, uh, the, the Prince Ruko in exile. Uh, story as well. So um, why um, you would put out an article is they don't watch the first episode when there's so many elements to it, you know, is uh, is ridiculous if you ask me. But uh, yeah, well, watch it all the way through from one to the very end when uh, Ang squares off with the Fire Lord. You know, it's just it's yeah. uh, it's all it's all worth taking in. You know, and uh, I mean, how much how long would it take even to people 
We'd be able to like to get through it. Like uh, you could get through it just watching a couple episodes in like in a couple of months. I what we say. I, yeah, I guess so. I mean, like here's the thing: there are sixty episodes in the series, and twenty episodes that are divided into three seasons. So, um, if you are willing to watch, like maybe like a handful of episodes, let's just say you want to watch like. Um, I don't know, maybe like two episodes every single day. It'll get like maybe a couple of months. Or if you want to go all binge watching because, you know, Netflix is really popular for that, you could probably watch it within a weekend. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're really excited about this. And uh, to be honest, it's like, um, could this potentially, I mean, obviously I know we've we got a live action uh, series uh coming soon in regards to uh, yeah that, that is so, the reason why they that's the reason why they released uh avatar the last airbender on netflix in the first place in addition to the fact that if you remember viacom and cbs merged and also there have a contract with netflix to start releasing their stuff in there which is why the jungle movies on netflix glitch texas on netflix pinky malinky's on netflix so they're starting to upload slowly to their category even though that pretty much every single person that i've seen say why doesn't viacom and cbs why don't they just have their own streaming site i mean cbs access is a thing and they have all of their catalogs there with all their classic shows from their current ones so people are asking why doesn't viacom do the same thing everybody's begging for a nickelodeon plus well, this is the thing about this. Um, I think that there's far more too much. I think I think the 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 market is too saturated. I think exactly, at this time, yeah. I think the fact that I think um, they've missed the bus on this, and um, you know, everyone now has got a Disney Plus account. <laughs> Let's face it, everyone's got a Disney Plus account. Everyone's got a Netflix subscription, as well. Like they, these these subscriptions add up. You know, like on top oh, of yeah, that, I spot- mean, in addition to that, there's. Netflix, there's Hulu, there's Amazon Prime, there's Disney Plus, um, Voodoo, uh, Shudder. If you're into horror, I mean, it it all adds up. Well, Crunchyroll, if you're um, into anime, you know, like oh uh, yeah, Crunchyroll, absolutely, Crunchyroll, Funimation, Viz Media. I mean, it all adds up. In fact, um, while you know, chugging away at trying to write down my. Uh, part three script of the aftermath of the jungle movie. I actually found a uh, Instagram post uh, regarding about like, oh, happy International Nurses Day, and it shows a picture of uh, the Casa Grandes, and then people are asking, oh, make a Nickelodeon Plus, and they're saying try Nick Hits on Amazon Prime Video and Apple TV, and there are some shows that are there, and then there's Pluto TV, which actually features a lot of shows from Nickelodeon as well, so this is a reason why part three of, you know, the pros and cons of the Jungle movie is taking this long, because news about this kind of stuff is updated all the time, and Nick Upfront is uh, rapidly approaching, so I'm waiting until there's any new announcements. Are you sure it's not just because some guy that you do this uh, this series with isn't isn't, uh, taking his time taking, you know, doing all his lines and everything? Sure (laughs) Sure it's not just that. Um, Maybe that might be a part of it, but it's just me being so... Um, OCD with checking my, you know, P's and Q's, you know, crossing my T's, dotting my I's, and all that stuff. Well, that's not because your lazy boyfriend got me, your good for nothing boyfriend can't do anything. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop it. Yeah, fine. <laughs> Oh, he bought you a laptop. Well. <laughs> <laughs> 
Alright, so, um, yeah, but we wanted to bring that up to your attention, so if you've got a Netflix subscription, definitely check out Avatar The Last Airbender, it is uh, one of the most amazing and most epic of the Nickelodeon series out there, and uh, funny enough, though, a little bit of trivia, is actually not considered a Nicktoon, because uh, it doesn't guarantee yeah. you like some of the Nicktoon traits. So, uh, no, it doesn't. She, I mean, a lot of people, whenever they like list off like various Nicktoons, Avatar The Last Airbender, they're saying like, oh, but it doesn't count because it's not like a SpongeBob or Rugrats or anything like that. It kind of like stands alone on its own, right? Which is why I think, you know, you know, for people who don't even like Nickelodeon or more into like Cartoon Network or something like that, that's why they're able to gravitate it a lot more. And it's actually interesting. It's like, you know... There's a lot of exclusive stuff on Netflix. Seis Manos, Bojack Horseman, um, you know, various other um, shows that are on, uh, you know, um, you know, Netflix. I mean, is, uh, is Rick and Morty on Netflix or uh, are they are they still streaming of Adult Swim? Um, um, maybe they are. I'm not sure. But I'm just talking about like, ex- you know, like exclusive, you know, shows on Netflix. And out of all of that stuff. The one that seems to get a lot of praise is a show that came out 15 years ago. You know, you, you, you know what it's like, Patricia. Like, uh, if, if something has had an internet following and, a, and a th- an internet kind of like cult following for a long while, I mean, you check out Twitter, there's a lot of GIFs out there, and a lot of them are Avatar, when you really think about That's it. Like, not all, not all of them are Homer Simpsons just slinking into a bush, you know? Like, uh, so, um, there's a lot of them out there which also refer to uh, Avatar and... Uh, also, as well, like, uh, I saw that as well, like, uh, how amazing is it that Avatar The Last Ember has pretty much sunk the James Cameron movie out of existence, in a way? Like, you know, when people now talk yeah. about Avatar, they talk about, they talk about Aang and not talking about, uh, what's-his-face, you know, the, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's how, that's how forgettable that movie's now become. Like, you know, just, well, I mean, they'll, they'll still try to attempt it because, as you know, James Cameron is, you know, chugging away of doing Avatar 2. I mean, he, he uh, you know, on the Avatar Facebook page, they even posted up that picture of, you know, Sam Worthington and Kate Winslet apparently is in the movie now. And, um, you know, they're they're still continuing it and they're still doing, you know, Avatars 3 and 4 in conjunction with it. So oh, and, and let's Unless we forget about the when we went to Disney World and we went to check out the new Avatar attractions, like the lines that were just absolutely insane to get into there. Yeah, but, but, but how much of that is to do with there's a new ride at Disney World? We need to check it out. Uh, Fair like, yeah, keep, keep in mind, like uh, when a new ride or new attraction gets announced at Disney World, there are huge, huge, huge lines because everybody is curious. Like, do you remember, That's like, true. do you remember when, um, even for like some of the smaller rides, like, do you remember when, uh, for the, fro- you know, when we were at the, uh, the height of the frozen phenomenon? Not to say that we're not in the height of the frozen phenomenon now. I like, remember when they did the whole, oh, we we're going to make a new, um, you know, like a little boating, like, uh, thing for it, like a little floating attraction for it. And, uh, they oh, like, yeah. showed, like, all of that, all the, uh, and, like, you said, man, enjoy Like, it was, it did live up to the height. A lot of it was quite amazing to look at, actually. And so like, it was, it, it was, yeah. uh, it was pretty good in that regard. But uh, you know, like even small things like that, like you know, um, any any type of small little changes that Disney seems to make to their parks, everyone pays attention and everybody wants to go and everyone wants to check what's going on. You Fair know? enough. So like, uh, I reckon they could change Damn. the, I reckon they could change the pop, the popcorn vendor, and I reckon everyone would like just like start paying tickets to go see one of the popcorn. <laughs> Popcorn is like that's how crazy the Disney cult is. You know, <laughs> if they can make popcorn kernels shaped like Disney characters, I will line up and get some. Oh, it's it's, so it's oh, it's it's happening, babe. 
You know, like I, I guarantee you, anything like anything they can shape into a mouse, I'm sure they they're trying to they're trying to do that as we speak. No doubt, they're, yeah. they're, we we have the technology, okay. Patricia. <laughs> That's very true. So, um, final words: go watch Avatar: The Last Airbender, and you know, I, I, it's funny because uh, when the Avatar 15th anniversary celebration was happening, I wanted to do a special video on it. And I didn't have the time because I was still busy with school. But now that this whole, oh, you know, number one on Netflix thing is going on, it's like now I need to, like, see if I can get back on it. Mm-hmm. Okay, moving on. So um, we're going to talk a bit of politics at the minute. And so there's been a lot of concern about the president's health. You know, president, quote unquote. Um, so Donald Trump, uh, many of you have been pointing out the, about the physical state of his health uh, in, in certain tweets. Patricia, um, did you see the one I retweeted? Uh, before about uh, how they reckon he's like his BMI mass is basically is underneath his uh, his uh, his suit. Now I, I I do admit that some of this sounds kind of perverse and uh, some of this sounds a bit a bit fat shamey in in a way. But I mean like uh, can, can we really say that anything we're going to say about Donald Trump now that uh, is going to be worse than anything he said about various other people at this stage? I mean, not okay. really. yeah, not really, no. So, um, some of us suggesting that the, the there's been massive uh, the debate about the president's being overweight, which I think we can all agree upon. Like, uh, and also if 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 his diet of burgers and steaks with ketchup is anything to go by, if if that's really all that he eats, then he's not in good place. Health wise, he's not in a good place. You know, yeah. Like, uh, I think I think there was like some video that I saw a few years ago. I forget from where, but. Um, uh, that, you know, there was like these two people who actually for 24 hours did the Donald Trump diet where they constantly drank diet Coke and they were, um, you know, eating McDonald's foods and, uh, they had like a well done steak that was smothered in ketchup and all that kind of stuff. And they were like miserable throughout the day. And they were like, I'm hungry, even though I'm eating all this junk because it wasn't fulfilling or satisfying. Okay, so I mean, actually, I'm just taking a look at this now because I'm actually kind of curious. Culture Trip is uh, suggesting that uh, for breakfast, Donald Trump is is not much of a breakfast person. Apparently, apparently he is. No, he's uh, not. Yeah, apparently, it's a McDonald's McMuffin. Apparently, he yep. will. He will it, go. It is. Yeah. And he'll and he'll and he drinks a lot of Diet Coke. Yeah. Well, uh, I thought, well, actually, Diet Coke's not good for you, is it? Because all it does is make you more hungry. Like, because uh, it, it's just, it's uh, it's got, like, a, the uh, replacement sweeteners that's in it is actually just kind of, like, uh, indicating to you that you need some more nourishment, mm-hmm. if anything. So, you know, diet, I, I learned that a long time ago. I stopped drinking diet sodas a long, long time ago after that. You know, it just wasn't helping. So, um, also, um, for lunch, apparently he eats meatloaf. Apparently he's a... I mean, I, I've heard various things. Sometimes it's meatloaf. Sometimes it's either McDonald's food. Um, other times it's like a, a regular burger. So it depends. Well, in regards to meatloaf, I'll just say this. You know, I will do anything for lunch, but I won't eat that. That's terrible. There you go. Okay. Um, and for dinner, apparently, it's a mixture between McDonald's, Burger King, and KFC. From what I understand, or a very, uh, or the well done steak, as mentioned before. Oh and, Why uh, would you have I mean, well done steak? It, 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 it takes the flavor completely out of the meat. You know, like. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, uh, you know, I know that some people, uh, you know, they they don't like they don't like seeing the blood of meat apparently, and so that's why they cook it like really well done. But you know, with Donald Trump, he either smothers it with ketchup or smothers it with gravy. 
And uh, then there's also, um, you know, various other side dishes that he eats it with. And he just, again, with the whole Diet Coke thing. So yeah, does he like it? Well, well done, Steak. What, does, he, does he eat it with a scalpel? I mean, like, it's just, it's, uh, he's trying, I don't, trying, I don't trying know. to cut meat like that. Like, uh, I struggle enough with a, with a steak knife, you know, that I've got my, I've got, I've got, I struggle enough with straight steak knives with well-done meat enough. Like, you know, it's just, it's, uh, but, uh, yeah. All right, then. And uh, so, but, you know, like, you can definitely tell that it looks like he's taking, a, you know, if he is, if that, if that is all that he's eating, that's just the, allegedly what we know that he eats. But uh, if that's the case, I mean, it's, I mean, I'm really surprised he's able to function. I, I mean, do you remember a few years ago in which, like, you know, he was talking about, like, oh, you know, with my height, I should have this weight. And um, and then they were, like, doing comparisons to actual athletes of their height and their weight. Uh -huh. And how it's, like, a, co a, a contrast. I mean, we I think we even discussed about that in one of the episodes of uh, the Aramita show. Um, yeah, I think we did. And, uh, you know, it's been, if it was, it was a good couple of months ago, and I'm sure there's plenty of lies and deceit that uh, Donald Trump has pretty much told since then. Like, you know, like, I mean, how, 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 what's his average lie ratio at the minute? Like, three a minute or something like that? You know, like, it's just... It's, I don't uh, know. Yeah, so, uh, but uh, it just, you know, I say this with, uh, you know, a tiny amount of concern for, you know, a fellow human being saying that, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm okay eating all of this and I'm okay having like four hours of sleep a night. Like, you know, dude, you're not. Like, you know, you're eating yourself into a grave you know, pretty much at this point. Like, you know, I mean, why are we, are we waiting to, I mean, will you say, well, what state will he be in in the next four years? Say he's reelected. You know, like, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, you, if you if you know, um, you know, being president for a very long time, especially with all the amount of stress it causes. I mean, you've seen like how people have aged so quickly over time. I mean, look at the pictures of Abraham Lincoln when he was first elected into president, compared to like four years later. Even late, look at Obama. Like you know, he he, oh, he he came in as a spring chicken, and like uh, he he left as like a, you know a, a you know a very almost looking like he's like he's in that in between of like being a very elderly gent, and like uh, he's in he's he's in that area of like not being not being considered a senior citizen, but uh, you know like you can tell that like, he's just slowly starting to get there. If the, you know, yeah, I, I know that sounds cruel for Obama, but. So it causes so much stress to be a president, to be the leader of a country where you have to make so many decisions based off of, you know, what legislators and various people want to decide on what's best for the country. I mean, it, it causes stress. It causes you to age rapidly. So, I mean, if, if he thinks that he can go on another four years like this in his current state, then... I mean, I, I mean, I, as for me, you know, I can't say anything, but if he can, then I don't know. I mean, okay. we'll just but, have to wait. Bar Barack Obama apparently is 58 years old at the moment. Okay. And uh, I mean, good grief. He, uh, he, dare I say, he looks older than that. I would have thought he was. Uh, that's what happens, you yeah. know? I mean, like, uh, again, you know, all the stress and all the, um, the, the pressures of running a country with millions of people's lives at stake. Well, you know, I Patricia, mean, you, know, it, you know, you know, how you keep young in uh, the uh, being while well, being president of the United States. Uh, do your job badly or not at all. I mean, like uh, the, well, the country's currently in a crisis with this whole COVID nineteen, and uh, he's out playing golf. You know, uh, just this. Uh, yeah, that's that's what he's. <laughs> that's basically how he, how he does it. He does the job really badly, and just uh, you know, he's like, uh, oh, here's going to be something for if, if you really do care about uh, Donald Trump's longevity, um, vote him out in November. 
<laughs> that's basically what I would I would tell everybody if they're really yeah, well, apparently about, there was some guy on Twitter him. who actually made a video uh you know uh he literally literally made a video in 10 minutes while he was wearing his pajamas saying hey I made an ad campaign for Joe Biden and it was picked it's like a video of him playing golf while they were saying like you know COVID-19 this amount of people died this amount of people lost their jobs oh I think um, I think I retweeted that actually I think I've actually uh, did I retweet it I can't remember if I did or not it should be by the way our message Sorry, at our meta show, A R U N M E H T A S H O W, for my Twitter feed, and uh, I kind of thinking I might have actually tweeted it at one yeah. point. Uh, I don't know if it's there. Maybe, maybe, maybe you did. I don't know, but yeah, it's, um, it's, it's in the functions of ranting and raving that I do. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's there. But uh, yeah, yeah, I saw that one. So like, you you seen there on the golf course, and you see all the numbers running down as it's all going down. Like, oh my god! Like, yeah, it's uh, yeah, you could do that. Here's the thing about this. Donald Trump is so easy to take down. You can do it in your bed in 10 minutes. That's basically how easy it is. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure everyone else will be out there doing it. You'll see that guy and think, oh, wow, if 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 he can do that, I could probably do that. Mm. Uh, Oh, and lest we forget about the New York Times mag, um, you know, newspaper where they posted up the first page saying, oh, almost 100,000 people died and they gave a list of pretty much a fraction of oh, the people who uh yeah just it's uh that's uh that's grim it really is uh really grim just uh watching that and uh i do apologize everybody we seem to have just lost patricia but uh yeah i mean if i if i just pick up on the um new york times uh, front page um uh, someone actually actually superimposed that in front of donald trump playing golf and it even looks even creepier when you when you look at that like it's just it's uh I can't believe we've got to a point where this type of thing is acceptable. And uh, it's just, it's, uh, and this is the thing, I, I'm worried that, you know, the shock value, I think, of uh, things like that seems to have just uh, kind of gone away. And uh, I'm really hoping that um, we'll be able to get to a point where we can obviously, um, you know, just start saying to people like, this type of stuff that's going on right now is not acceptable. It just isn't. And, you know, having this clown, having this reality show host as president during this crisis has not helped anything. If anything, it's made it worse. Because now you've got a guy in there who doesn't know what he's doing, you know, trying to solve one of the most uh, uh, the most, the most important crisis of a country's history. And he's just ballsing it up. And you can sell. Oh, by the way, uh, we'll be talking about this a little later on, but he wants to reopen churches. Uh, Patricia, your thoughts? You know, this is really, really frustrating for me. As somebody who goes to church, as somebody who, you know, whenever that I do go to church and I see all of the empty pews and spaces, and, you know, I I, I understand people are restless. People want to go back. I, I get it. But you remember what happened when the preacher was like, Oh yeah, come on into this huge mega church. Nobody's gonna get sick. And then the guy died in like 48 hours later. And right now, I mean, you I mean, sure, you know, things are slowing down. I, I get it. Cases are getting lower and lower and lower. And people are thinking, oh, then we have this under control. No, we don't. If you remember when it came to the um Spanish flu in 1918, you know it was a mild summer. 
a deadly summer and a severe winter. So by winter break, it's going to get even worse. And there might, and there's already talks of a second outbreak. Excuse me. Here's one thing I actually thought about, though. I think this is going to be a little clever campaign trick that he's going to do. And uh, I've got a couple of points to also make of this as well. Number one, this obviously plays to his base. Because, obviously, you know, his, uh, his base pretty much was the crazy evangelical vote of, um, of people who came out to support him because uh, they saw him as some kind of, like, you know, religious figure, which uh, I find very creepy. Like, here's the thing about this, like, any Trump supporter who complains about any religious theology that comes out of the Middle East being quite extreme, just ask him about their opinion on Donald Trump and whether he's the second coming or something like that, you know? Get him in that and just kind of, like, show, show the hypocrisy that comes out in their argument when it comes to stuff like that. Um, the next thing about this as well is that this will play into Trump's base, obviously, for, for votes and things like that. But here's the thing about this, Patricia. One thing that you could, you could think... Can you imagine Donald Trump doing this, right? He reopens the churches. The mega churches reopen. And what do you think Donald Trump does after the mega churches reopen? They display on TV all the people that are there. You know, obviously, they'll do some little social distancing bullshit you know, in, in there, and but it'll still look pretty full. And what do you think? And some of these people will suspiciously have, like, Trump hats on and stuff like that. And Donald Trump comes up on stage and starts preaching or starts, like, you know, doing his spiel. And, like, he's, like, and the next thing he's going to be like, oh, hey, uh, Donald Trump's just having uh, Trump rallies in mega churches. And then he'll turn around and say, like, oh, no, 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 I'm not having a, I'm not having a rally. I'm preaching. You know, I'm preaching the word of God. And stuff like that. Religion's under attack. Oh, uh, yada, 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 yada. I, I, here's the thing about this. Knowing how incompetent the media is going to be, I could see them falling for it. So here's, here's my prediction on this. You know, they'll reopen the mega churches. Donald Trump will walk out. He'll start campaigning, you know, during the election period. The media will turn around to, and start saying that, oh, hey, Donald Trump is campaigning. really reopened the churches because... Um, he's campaigning, and then he'll basically turn around to say, oh, hey, I'm not uh, campaigning, I'm preaching the word. And this is the attack on Christianity that's happening in America, and the media, and the fake news media is the one that's responsible for, you know, all of this. And this will be red meat to his base. I guarantee you that. And all other people that, you know, might, uh, who have might have strayed away from Trump because they realized that, you know, someone who allegedly fucked a porn star and someone who cheated on his wife is probably not uh, the greatest uh, Christian uh, example to follow. But he might actually end up trying to win those people back. Because they are stupid enough to fall for it. I don't know. I mean, like... I mean, here's the thing. If people are planning on coming back to the churches, then there'll be a case in which most likely there'll be, like, a doctor standing outside of, you know, of the building... Then, well, you know, not even that, Patricia. Yeah, it might even just be just, just some asshole who basically just kind of like gives them a light pat down and then just lets them through. You know, I like, don't, I don't know. Yeah, but exactly. even then, even even if even then, if they do let them through, then I mean, you know, if they're like you know planning on like you know sanitizing and cleaning everything, and they are making sure that they have like um maybe like twenty five percent of the people who are supposed to be in originally and stuff like that. There will be a chance that, you know, they they will get sick. I mean, like, uh, I just read somewhere yesterday that, you know, somebody was, like, reopening a pool or something so that people can get in. That's, um, uh, that's seven- a terrible idea. I'm really sorry. Yeah. yeah. We don't even know. I mean, like, I don't know if COVID-19 can swim, but, like, I could probably imagine they probably would. You know, like, I don't know. It's like it's. I don't know, but yeah, I mean, like, you know, opening up pools and, and theme parks and all that kind of stuff. It's like... 
I mean, if if you are so desperate to go outside and you know do that kind of stuff, then I don't know. I mean, like here's the thing about theme parks, though. The theme parks are understandable because obviously they're spaced out massively. Like Disney World is huge. But here's the thing about this. Um, in regards to the uh the Disney. Uh, like, you know, Disney reopening and stuff like that. I mean, I would just say to everybody, why on earth would you go? Because, let's say, for example, the coronavirus wasn't a thing. Let's say it was just um, the... Um, let's just say it was... You know, Disney just decided, okay, well, we're going to space everybody out by two meters. And also, we're going to basically do... Um, all these, um, we're gonna put these other restrictions in. You can't hug the cast members, you can't, you know, also there'll be very less hug of cast members to help you, on top of that as well. You're gonna have to social distance inside all the restaurants and all, all the, uh, all the, like, even the hotel and stuff like that. You know, you're not allowed to kind of, like, uh, you know, interact with the rides that you, how you normally interact with them. You'd have to, uh, sanitize your hands pretty much, uh, on a very regular basis, you know, to, while you're going around the different types of parks and everything like that. Here's the thing like this, like, uh, if, if, if coronavirus wasn't a thing, and Disney put those things in, I guarantee you, I probably wouldn't turn up. I'd probably just say, well, oh, hey, well, you know, there's a guy going around with a, with a, a GoPro and showing everybody what the park is like, you know, it's, uh, you know, I would just say that probably that'll be my entertainment, I think, for, from Disney until, obviously, the restrictions were taken off and then until it was safe to go back and then, obviously, we'd make, uh, we'd make plans again. But, you know, this is, um, this is not a good time. You know, to be making arrangements to go to Disney World because, well, no, no, not even just the fact that the coronavirus is still, you know, rampant uh, in in some parts of in some parts of the country, but uh, at the same time, like you're not really gonna have that much of a good time when you get there. I would have thought, you know, again, like I've not actually spoken to anybody who actually has been pre-pandemic, but I mean, like, so I mean, it's almost as good to say tell me that, oh, hey, I've been to Disney World and I had a wonderful time, then you know, muscles off to you. But, you know, me and Patricia, personally, even if the coronavirus wasn't a thing, with all the restrictions that are in place, we wouldn't go. We'd do something else. I'm sure we said that once once or twice before on this show. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Let's uh, have a look at a few other things that are currently going on at the moment. Um, oh, yeah, this is the thing. Uh, so, um... Rachel Maddow did a segment on her show, and I've got to be honest with you, Rachel Maddow is kind of like touch and go. There are times when she really hits the nail on the head, and there's other times, like with the Russia investigation, she gets it utterly, utterly, utterly wrong. But, uh, I mean, there was something here which um, I think, I mean, doesn't necessarily, I mean, obviously we're going on about Donald Trump again, but this also ties in with... Uh, a few other people as well, and so I thought maybe let me play this clip and uh, let me just uh, garner everybody's reaction and uh, let me just uh, show you what. So let me just uh, play to everybody what uh, Rachel Maddow had to say on her show. On it's MSNBC. also slightly bone chilling, slightly eerie at least, to see that the leaders of the countries with the four largest outbreaks on earth are. Prime Minister Boris Johnson in the UK, who has been called the British Trump. Uh, President Jair Bolsonaro in Brazil, who's been called the Latin American Trump. Uh, President Trump himself and President Vladimir Putin of Russia. I mean, it's Boris, Bolsonaro, Putin and Trump now overseeing the four worst outbreaks on Earth, not just because they're countries with large populations, but because they are countries that have radically mishandled the virus. I mean, and, and the four of them, you know, they do have some links and similarities in terms of their style and politics, 
When it comes to the virus, though, it's not hard to see how they all ended up with the four largest out-of-control outbreaks on Earth. All four of them took a stance early on that it was somehow you know, either unmacho or magically unnecessary to do anything to try to slow the spread of the virus. And so they didn't do anything to slow the spread of the virus, or they at least undermined those efforts with their own personal blowhardiness and skepticism about the public health imperatives. And now, I mean, we're five times worse off than any other country on earth under President Trump. But President Trump, at the top of the heap, is in company he very much likes in terms of world leaders who have blown this crisis the most disastrously and paid for it in the lives of their citizens. I should also just mention, incidentally, that in Brazil, uh, where President Bolsonaro is in charge, they really do have a raging out-of-control epidemic right now. Um, interestingly, that country's president, Bolsonaro, like our president, is now publicly going whole hog for this idea that these malaria drugs, chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine, are some sort of miracle cure for coronavirus. President Bolsonaro in Brazil is expected tomorrow to ex announce a, a national expanded protocol for the use of chloroquine. He reportedly fired the health minister because the health minister wouldn't sign off on this cockamamie plan. But that's going to be announced tomorrow in Brazil. And Boris Johnson's government in the UK has also just announced a new bulk purchase of hydroxychloroquine. It's like we're now learning all the weird markers of the most poorly managed, large, disastrous epidemics on Earth in the era of coronavirus. I mean, first, look for Trumpiness or Trump friendliness. Second, does your world leader fetishize a random malaria drug that doesn't actually seem effective against this virus, but this leader nevertheless insists it's a miracle cure? Yeah, I mean, so far, Trumpiness, weird attraction to hydroxychloroquine, and, well, Third factor, I don't even want I don't even want to tell you a third thing I could tell you about all these guys, but I won't. So, I mean, she, she pretty much nails it. Like the way that they've been dealing with the coronavirus, it's kind of like the uh, the seven stages of grief. Like first it's denial that it's happening, then it's anger that oh people are questioning that it's happening, then it's fear of basically what's happening. And then, you know, by the time you get to stage three, um, where it's far too late at this point, you know, when everyone's doing that, and uh, then it's a uh, then it's bargaining after that, saying, okay, well, if everybody just, uh, you know, uh, um, goes in and uh, stuff like that, we'll pay you to stay home and stuff like that. And also, hey, we'll pay you a you know, $1,000 a month. You know, here's that unemployed, here's that check to uh, keep you go going and stuff like that. We'll, you know, bargain with you with that. And then finally, it's acceptance that they've basically fucked this up and they all these people are now dead and all these people are now affected. It's just, it's... Uh, it's absolutely ridiculous how this uh, whole thing's on. So, you know, the only way I could probably really describe how these uh, incompetent nincompoops have dealt with this uh, worldwide crisis is just the seven stages of political grief. It's probably the best way I could describe it. I don't know how you would describe it, Pushrusha. No, 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 you, you, you pretty much nailed it. Okay. Right, um, moving on from that, um, so just to round up on the situation in the election, and so I don't know if this uh, points uh, as a problem to Donald Trump, I think the evangelical vote, I think, is going to be his big thing, and I think the, uh, the, 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 the Rust Belt states are definitely going to have to fall back in line with him as well at the moment, but with uh, Biden doing well in Florida, funnily enough, and him doing well in Arizona, 
you know, is uh, quite surprising. You know, um, but here's the thing about this at the minute. In the current polling that's currently be doing at the minute, uh, in re- this is regards to black African-American voters. Um, he Currently, Donald Trump only holds 3% of these voters. Ouch. It doesn't surprise me, like, you know, if... Uh, if Donald Trump is this massive racist that people say that he is, and that he has done racist stuff in the past, you're like, remember that time when he was campaigning, he said, oh, hey, there's that one black guy who, who's there, I like him. You know, he points it out to everybody that he's the only, like, African-American in that, in that. And then when he made that goof, they started doing this thing. Do you notice this thing after that? They started doing this thing at rallies where they started, it seems to be all of a sudden, like, uh, other ethnic minorities... Uh, like Chinese, Asians, um, other um, other like people with other walks of life, uh, started appearing at the front of his rallies and things like that. Like uh, more black people started appearing like at the front, just trying to make it look like that these people like this is a representative of like um, what Trump's support is ac- is actually is. Which is bullshit. We all know what the majority of um, Trump supporters are. The ma- they're mainly white. They're mainly male. Um, they're l- they are already financially well off. They're not necessarily not all of them are working class. So the people the people who can turn up are the ones that can afford to turn up, I believe. Mm-hmm. And all the people who seem to the, the vast majority of people who can't afford, actually have told that as well. Like, uh, what were the ticket prices to go to those rallies? Like, because uh, uh, I'm sure some people, uh, I don't know what the, uh, I would actually like to hear from someone who actually went to a Trump rally just to kind of like, you know, stare at him. I mean, do they have to pay a fee to do that or anything like that? I'm, I'm not too sure. But um, in, in regards to, this is a, this is a big thing for uh, for Trump. I mean, like, uh, it'd be kind of disturbing if he only polled like less than 3% of the African-American vote and all of a sudden he still became president in a way. Like, uh, it was just, it's... Uh, it is uh, quite um, worrying that, that. Oh, by the way, there was a hilarious, uh, um, there was a hilarious image that I tweeted uh, from one of his, actually from one of his Trump rallies, and uh, it was two elderly um, uh, white supporters, and they both were wearing black blacks for Trump shirts. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's definitely one thing I retweeted. Before it's just like it's just uh, it's just uh, it's it's an alternate reality. The this uh, this side of politi- politics, it really is. You know, just it's. Uh, I genuinely would actually like to maybe one day actually venture into a Trump rally and kind of just kind of like just start asking people questions. You know, like it's just it's. I'm kind of worried about it because you know you you see in one of the um in one of the reopen protests that had a bunch of Trump supporters in group and uh, one of them was yelling, "Hey, redcoats!" In real, in relation to like you know, um, like the, they think that the British is still running things in America. Like it's just it's uh, for someone like myself, that's kind of concerning a little bit. That so there's still some people out there who are that crazy. But uh, mm. yeah, I guess I shouldn't be too surprised. Maybe I'm not sure. Um, okay, so we just want to talk about the presidential election going into November, and uh, I think this probably will probably decide who's going to be the president. Uh, by the time we get over November and by the time we get into the uh, uh, the next phase of things. But uh, um, there's a possibility, and Texas has declared this, and a few other states are p- going to be potentially declaring this, and that is that the presidential election in November could be mail-in only. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, likelihood is if the... Um, and this is the thing about this, like, this should have alarm bells ringing for 
the Trump administration, on a couple of points I'd like to bring up. The first thing is that if we're still in this coronavirus situation, in this lockdown and in this, uh, this inability to control the virus, and we get to November, I think Trump is toast. I really think so. I think it's uh, this is something that's been going on for a, a very long time, and I just don't. I think they'll look at Donald Trump and not see him as an exit strategy. And this is probably no. a good opportunity for Joe Biden to potentially say, "Well, this is what we got to do in order to basically get the coronavirus, you know, um, eliminated in America." And I guarantee you, this will be an opportunity for him, to, even during the debates. That is, if the debates happen. I mean, like uh, there's. Uh, um, here's the thing about this that's been brought up in progressive circles. Um, there are some people who are suggesting that Donald Trump might actually not do the debates. He's under no ob- obligation to actually agree to do them. So, may- I don't know what they'll do in that situation. I don't know if, uh, just say Joe Biden gets an open mic night and they just basically just give him questions for him to answer. And, uh, he just looks more, li- you know, more of a leader than Donald Trump does. You know, just by just standing mm. there and just answer, asking basic questions. Uh, I don't know in that regard, but, uh, um, in regards to mail-in voting, another thing about this is that if it ends up being the situation, uh, there'll be a lot more people turning out to vote. And uh, we've had this also, this mass exodus of blue states leaking out their younger uh, younger citizens to red states. And we all know what they're going to vote for as well. And I think they'll be more inclined to now start voting and supporting you know, uh, uh, the Democrats if they're given uh, an easier way to do it. So, in regards to, unless, you know, Donald Trump decides to, you know, declare, you know, the U.S. Postal Service is non-essential and shut it down, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, and rig the election that way. I think uh, if uh, you've got a lot of people who feel very concerned, very agitated about being indoors all the time and having to live in this uh, kind of this whole, rest- this very restrictive stance because no one's taking a serious effort to get get rid of COVID-19 or get rid of the coronavirus... Um, you're going to have um, a lot of angry people putting in mail-in ballots for, uh, potentially for Joe Biden, and Donald Trump will be in a world of trouble, I think, in uh, come November. If it's still going on by then, I guarantee you there's two, two things going to happen in November. Either I'm joining my beautiful sweetheart for a Thanksgiving dinner with her family, or Donald Trump's losing the election in, in November. So, so some happy moment's going to happen in November, okay? <laughs> You know, just, it's, uh, one of these two things are going to happen, so, uh, you know, but, uh, uh, yeah, Patricia, mail-in voting, what are your thoughts? Uh, you know, I mean, that's pretty much what I think is going to happen, is that, you know, people are going to be voting from home, and people are seeing what's going on in the world of how it's being ran, and I think they want to change. I think they want to say, okay, what what we're doing right now is not working. Let's just let's just have somebody else take over. Yeah, and uh, don't get me wrong. Like I'm, I'm not a massive. Here's the thing about this: even if Joe Biden does win the election, I'm not going to be thrilled by any any sense of the imagination. I mean, he's got questions to answer himself for the way he's uh, carried himself in in uh, previous times. You know, uh, don't give me that freedom of medal Obama. You know, liking and bullshit. You know, like, uh, his, uh, his past speaks for itself. Like, you know, his um, support for, uh, uh, for, for some segregation amendments and things like that. And, uh, you know, the fact that he's been uh, very uncomfortable uh, when it comes to uh, handling, you know, women when he shouldn't have been handling them in some cases. I mean, there's a whole video of that that, that someone showed me, which, uh, yeah, it's like you just cringe watching how Joe Biden interacts with some people. 
And so, I mean, he's 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 not in a great place as well. Plus, he's um, he's at an age where, and people were complaining about John McCain when he first ran about being too old for the job, and now you got Joe Biden running at uh, roughly roughly the same age. I think are we saying at this point, are mm-hmm. we? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot to be concerned about in that regard, in regards to if we end up with a Biden presidency, which uh, which I think is probably going to be. I don't know, like somewhat more manageable. I think if we ended up with a another Trump, another Trump for another four years, and in his health situation, might not even actually first. Yeah, I would say probably wouldn't see out the four years. Maybe I don't know, unless no, uh, no. what I'm talking about is too too much hyperboil. Maybe I'm not too sure, but yeah. Well, we'll see. Um, coming up next, I'm going to talk about Fox News, the way they've been covering the coronavirus. Um, I wanted to play this clip, and so this shows from this is from Media Matters from America, who uh, seems to uh, like to watch Fox News more more than uh, other people do. But uh, they decided to put together these bunch of clips, it's, it's, and it's, um, it basically shows um, how they basically been covering this whole thing in this regard. So let me play this clip, and uh, let me show everybody what I'm talking about. It's, it's important that everybody has the facts. Every death is tragic, but not, not because we, we're not seeing deaths. We are, and they're tragic. But every loss of life is a tragedy. But every death is a tragedy. Every life is worth saving. But I think it has about 2,000 deaths. Again, it's tragic, but... There's no question that every single death is tragic, but also the, the destruction of the American economy is tragic. Of course, every life lost is heartbreaking. It is tragic. There is no doubt about it. But now, it's not to minimize the death of any individual. It's all tragic when it happens to you. But every death is important and tragic, but they've had only two. 17 people, 17 bodies piled up at a nursing home in New Jersey. I mean, it is it is shocking and very tragic. But here's the thing. 61,000 people in this country died from influenza, the flu, common flu. And around 100 people die every single day from car wrecks. Of course it's tragic, but despite what you hear, the world is not coming to an end. Any death is one death too many, but the president, if you compare it to the models, he's done an unbelievable job. Any death, of course, is tragic. However, of course, every death is tragic. Every life is irreplaceable. That goes without saying. California, by comparison... More than 600,000 Americans, for example, will die this year from cancer. That's a tragic number. You doubtless know some, but we accept it. Well, in the Golden State, more than 780 have died due to the coronavirus. And as tragic as any and all loss of life is, and it sure is, that figure is astonishingly low. You know, aside from the horrible loss of life and the profound disruption, Sean, of all of our lives, the most melancholy aspect of this to me, a 50-year veteran in this business, is how otherwise respected commentators and, and columnists and correspondents have attempted to twist this story to make a cheap political point. Okay, so uh, that was a combination of uh, white supremacist Laura Ingram and um, uh, corporate sellouts and right-wing sellouts John Hannity and uh, also sellout uh, Gerardo Rivera, whatever the hell his name is. And uh, I don't know if he's still got that six-pack. That he was showing off on Instagram uh, previously. I don't know if he does or not, but uh, you know, here's the thing about this: like, uh, they're talking about, oh well, the coronavirus deaths are alarmingly low. It's not as bad as being in a car accident or being cancer. Here's the thing about this: you nitwits, you can't catch a car crash, and you can't catch a you know cancer in some in a, in a majority of cases. So the idea 
that the coronavirus can be compared to being in a car crash or getting cancer is utterly, utterly, utterly ridiculous. Why is this news station still on the air? I mean, have I all, have, have all their, have their target demographic not died off yet? You know, like, uh, or is uh, Tommy Lauren doing a really good job of uh, trying to get, you know, younger, hornier, you know, uh, conservatives on, on board watching this trash? You know? Oh, my goodness, there was, um, I was watching uh, one of the clips on uh, on YouTube, and uh, there's actually a documentary called, uh, how, what was it called, How They Brainwashed My Dad, and it actually showed um, a, how a, a, a woman's father had, like, who had started off as, like, this kind of, like, hippie, kind of, like, uh, free love kind of guy, to all of a sudden becoming, like, this hardened Rush Limbaugh fan, and was sending, like, you know, uh, these really hateful emails to, like, all his members of his family. And then when he finally got, like, too old to kind of, like, look after himself, they finally, like, uh, you know, bought him a TV that didn't have Fox News on it. And all of a sudden, he just started kind of, like, uh, you know, reverting to his normal self. So, yeah. like, uh, you know, like, uh, here's the thing about this. A lot of these talk radio hosts on the right are just because they're becoming, you know, cult leaders and stuff like that. I'm really glad I'm not that. You know, like, uh, a lot of people, like, make fun of the fact that I don't all get that many views um, or getting that many listens or downloads on the podcast, but quite honest with you, in some way, I'm kind of glad that I do. Uh, don't get, don't get like you know millions of uh, of hits every every single day because, like, the idea that someone out there, out of that group of people, might be taking my words and probably you know taking them far too literally or taking them far too seriously. In that regard, I'm glad people just kind of listen to say that. Oh, hey, this this guy is an opinion, and uh, I'm going to make my own mind up of whether I think that opinion is valid or not. And I say that, oh, hey, that's going to be that, that's a great thing if you do if you consume this show correctly. You know, the fact that there might be some moron out there who uh, seizes me might see me as like some kind of like you know uh, god among men in regards to talk radio. Like you know, I I don't want that. Thank you. You know, just it's uh, but. Uh, I, I despise these people on Fox News. I really do. You know, just it's uh, if you work for that company, then fuck you. And uh, if you even see, if you, if you even just serve coffee there, then you know you're you're you you know you're you're just um you know, just as much as part of the hate machine than everybody else. You know. Oh, oh, oh I, w- I wouldn't go that far, Aaron. I would. You know, just say, hey, well, Patricia, I like, uh, you know, there, there's a president for this, you know, in the Nuremberg trials when they put the Nazis on, on trial for uh, all the crimes that they committed after World War Two. You know, like uh, there was a president said there, I was just following orders was not an excuse. And then they went after no, everybody. I'm not, I'm, not referring, you know? I'm not referring about that. I'm just referring about like, um, you know, like, oh, serving coffee. It's like, you know, I mean. You know, I know that, you know, for people who work there, I mean, I'm sure that they are, you know, interns or, you know, people who want to get a chance to, like, get into the journalist industry. Maybe, but, uh, I mean, like, I would just say that uh, somewhere down the line, you got to take a stand. And, uh, unfortunately, here's the thing about this. Like, if I was if I was an intern and stuff like that, I wouldn't go to Fox News. No, not, not in a million years. I wouldn't go to Fox News. Maybe they'd probably go to, like, a, you know, I'm not talking about the Fox, you know, the local news affiliates or anything like that. You know, as far as I'm aware, they have nothing to do with Fox News. They're just their own things. You know, but right. uh, I mean, I'm talking about like, you know, if you're making a conservative effort to go to a far right conservative news station to basically help continue to propagandate that, you know, um, it's okay for, you know, police officers to shoot black people or that it's uh, perfectly acceptable to kind of like do, uh, you know, casual racism of saying that, you know, in some way whites are more superior to various other um, you know, other people in society, or that, you know, there's like a fictional war on Christmas, 
and that anyone who doesn't say Merry Christmas to you, it must be some kind of uh, Stalinist or far lefty, you know, something like that, you know, just, uh, or if, if you're doing, if you're, if you're part of an organization that's forwarding that type of bullshit, then quite frankly, you are just as guilty as anybody else who was part of that machinery. As far as I'm well, concerned. I mean, well, I mean, I'm, I, I don't know, but uh, but sure, if you want to go... If, if, if you want to tell me that way. I'm wrong, I'm more than welcome to be told I'm wrong. But it just, it's... Uh, my, my feeling my feeling's pretty strong about this. You know, it's... Uh, it, you know, it's... Uh, this whole coronavirus thing has really tested my um, my threshold for where freedom of speech lies. And I've got to be honest with you, if uh, Fox News continues to put public health at risk, when do you turn around and say that this news station is not... Is not should not be on the air? I mean, I'm starting to kind of agree with Sasha Baron Cohen when he took that, uh, um, when he took that award from the Anti-Defamation League, when he said that uh, freedom of speech is not freedom of reach. Like, you know, if you want to preach that kind of stuff in uh, in some way, then go ahead. But to the mass public, where you know the coronavirus continues to expand on a scarily high basis, and you've got many people that are now dying because of this, and you know, the high, you know, the highest death rate. I think in the world at the moment in regards to coronavirus, in regards to uh, in, in regards to the United States of America, all avoidable, by the way, totally all avoidable. Mm-hmm. You know, wh- wh- how long do you does the threshold keep going where they say, you know, oh well, it's a First Amendment right for someone to go onto a television station and say that, oh well, this virus is fake, or that the vaccines that are, go- are currently being uh, uh, are going to be distributed by Bill Gates and is going to poison all our children and give them autism. And by the way, that that bullshit, by the way, is anti-autistic. You know, like uh, you know, they 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 hate autistic people or the people who do to say that kind of shit. And um, yeah, I I will still not get over, you know, people who are like that. I I just can't. No, and no one should. You know, just it's about to, you know, in regards to my threshold, in regards to free speech, I am still fully in, in favor of free speech because I, if someone says something stupid, there is a lot of other people out there that you say that you're basically saying something stupid. But you know, in regards to Fox News, when do you turn around and say that so it's, you can't you can't scare people like that? You know, you're you're gonna you're gonna get someone hurt or you're gonna get someone killed. Just right. it's uh, it's uh, yeah my my. I got to be honest. When where where, do, where when my biggest fear is uh, the current status quo with the right is that somewhere down the line. I mean, they're all happy with Trump at the moment. Oh, he's doing his whole "Make America Great Again" stuff and things like that. You know, turn that around. Like, imagine if the left or someone in the Democrats produced somebody who basically was, um, you know, Linda Sinsor on steroids. You know, so someone, somebody who is so uh, so unbelievably uh, uh, horrendous on the you know your your nightmare of a leftist, and you, that person then all of a sudden starts riding the road of saying to everybody, look, this president has been a failure, and this whole situation has been a failure, and starts getting people on side with that. And starts, uh, you know, whispering into people's ears everything that they want to hear. That Donald Trump originally would have done in the past and now is just doing it with a, a kind of a leftist slant. And that person gets elected and that person gets in. And then all of a sudden, like, the whole nightmare, the whole apocalypse that you uh, foreseen, that you foresaw, or claimed to have foresaw, is now playing out in front of you. Well, I mean, imagine if that uh, comes in, because I guarantee you that's the, the way that conservatives are carrying themselves right now, the many people on the right, I guarantee you that they're making that more and more and more a possibility than ever. 
Mm. You know, g- give it a couple of years. I guarantee. And a lot of people were like, you know, it's uh, a lot of people thought that. Oh, hey, we weren't gonna. You know, the Bush doctrine was gonna basically keep going on. You know, after after nine eleven. Not to say some elements of it aren't still going on now, but uh, um, just you know, these things. You know, they, you may be writing them pretty much right, well at the moment, but I guarantee you, in a couple of years' time, when people feel that their lives are not improving and people feel that uh, they feel massively let down by this goofball and this reality show host as a president, when they feel let down because their lives haven't changed in any particular way, they'll go look for somebody else. And basically that person yeah. might be even far more authentarian, that person might be far more um, inconsiderate than the person that they've got now. And people say, oh, how is that possible? It's Donald Trump. Oh, they, they can find somebody. They're, they're, they'll, fi- they'll find somebody, I guarantee you that. Mm-hmm. So... This is the thing I say about this. Like, President Trump isn't the thing, first thing I'm most afraid of. It's the thing after Donald Trump I'm most afraid of. And whether right. that's going to be Joe Biden, I have no idea. I mean, I, I don't even think it's going to be Biden. I think Trump's still going to win this president. I think he's still going to win this election. I still, I still predict that. But my biggest fear is that I think Donald Trump will drive people so far to the edge that he will, they will basically usher in something which I think will basically be the very thing that everyone's afraid of. That's yeah. just me. Um, okay, moving on from that, um, Finding Dory was tw- trending on trending on Twitter um, y- yesterday, and uh, as far as I'm aware, it wasn't on TV, and uh, I don't know, it was just it was kind of like a weird phenomenon that seems to have just kind of come up, but uh, it did kind of remind me of Pixmix, and uh, it did remind me of the episode that we did. Uh, by the way, Pixmix yeah. is still up, by the way, so uh, and it is up on the Old School Lane podcast on Anchor, and it is also on the YouTube channel as well. So uh, yes, it is. Uh, yeah, it's actually really interesting. It's like you know how shows or stuff like that is like, oh, you know, it's getting trend for some reason. It's like I don't know, is it the reason why the it was aired on TV or people are just talking about it? I don't know. It's like really interesting. Yeah, but, but I'm really glad that people do kind of like bring random stuff up because. Uh, you know, like, uh, we really enjoyed Finding Dory, I think. It was yeah. uh, it was the one movie that Ellen DeGeneres was, like, pounding Nick Bixar's door to do. And uh, finally they did it, and it was actually a good idea. And uh, I was in there, like, thinking, you know, uh, you know, like, uh, um, maybe Ellen DeGeneres, you know, maybe they'd probably, like, give her, a, give her a, like, a, like, a, like, a job over in Pixar and just say, you know, hey, uh, hey, Ellen, you know, like, that was a really good idea that you gave us. So you got any other um, thoughts on... Uh, well, so you can do that. So, it was basically finding Nemo or finding Dory, but you know anything else that like she could potentially do. So like, uh, you know, like uh, she got this one right. You know, I, I listened to her on uh, various other things in regards to animated movies. So like, uh, famous last words. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's actually interesting because you know we we talked about this on on Pixmix that you know during the you know Pixar dry spell over the past couple of years that you know they were releasing movies that were nowhere near as good as their predecessors and they started releasing a bunch of sequels if you remember there was uh you know uh, Cars 2 and 3 there was uh Monsters University and then we Well had, technically you know, Monsters finding- University wasn't a sequel it was a prequel so I Right could, but yeah. it was like a but it was like a, another follow-up. Yeah, but of. here's the thing: like Monsters Inc., I would have enjoyed a sequel. To be quite honest, with you. not a premium. Monsters University, as we as we say, it was like it was just Revenge of the Nerds, except with monsters. You know, like right. it was just it was uh, it it didn't really offer any unique perspective. I think on the university environment or any unique and stuff like that as well. It, it creates a massive continu- uh, continuity because they build it up as like when um, Mike and Sully finally met for the first time. But we know that wasn't true in the in the first movie because they said they've been knowing, knowing each other since uh, since the fourth the third or fourth grade, wasn't it? So like, exactly, yeah. So that makes no sense. 
But, um, yeah, Finding Dory nails it on the head. I mean, like, it's... Uh, they're, they're, here's the thing about this with Pixar. There are some sequels that are worth doing. I still believe they should be more Incredibles movies after two. And uh, I still believe they should be more... Uh, there should be another sequel. There should be a sequel to Ratatouille, I think. You know, I think the story of running a small business... I think uh, in challenging times, I think is a great story because a lot of people will relate to it. Definitely not now with coronavirus, given the fact that they can't um, get out there and, uh, you know, do their jobs at the moment. So, and uh, they're now wondering if their business is even going to be, is going to be, going to be there when they come back. So, you know, in regards to um, some sequels that they do for Pixar, I do believe that there are some Pixar movies out there that they can do. And uh, and you know, some of that it doesn't have to just be purely sequels. There's some original movies out there which are good too. Soul's going to be great, I think. You know, it's uh, it's going to continue on, I think, from what where Inside Out left off, I believe, in regards to exploring like uh, who we are inside of ourselves and going to a bit of a yeah. deeper line with Soul. I think that's going to be a great way to go. But um, I mean, there are some. Here's the thing about Pixar. I, th- I just think it's more of I mean, the problem with Pixar, I think, in regards to some movies, is that I don't know when they can when they turn around and say this is not working. I mean, we all heard about how bad the Good Dinosaur turned out. Like, you know, uh, so someone down the line, someone had to basically turn around and say, pull, pull the plug on this. We we need to, or at least you know, put it on the shelf, and we need to have a think about what we're going to do here because clearly it's not working. That's what they did with Ratatouille, and Ratatouille was a success. You know, at one point it was their third grossing movie. You know, like, uh, but. Um, I think in regards to certain projects that Pixar do, I think they need to kind of take a step back and say whether they think this is worth doing. I mean, unfortunately, we're going to get Cars sequels. Cars, unfortunately, is a is a is a money maker for for Disney in regards to merchandise. So there's not much we can really do about that. But uh, in regards to everything else that they do, they could they could they could just you know take a step back and think, hey, you know, maybe this is worth it. And I think that's where Pixar in its modern era, I think struggles i think at the moment i think that i think they kind of look at certain ideas and kind of like don't um give them the care and attention and detail i think that uh, other movies in the past have been given and mind you toy story yeah, and, yeah. This, and this is and this is really concerning for me as we did talk about when we were mentioning about onward is that you know john lassiter is no longer there and we already know about the stupid controversies that happened but i mean you know despite all of that i mean like you know he had a massive influence on Pixar and you know maybe you know that influence for you know maybe for some people it's like it's it's deeply missed and you know it's like oh Skydance if you remember that he's working there now and there's even you know people huge in the industry who are planning on working there like um you know like for example uh, Alan Menken is planning on doing music for Skydance you know, Alan Menken, the Alan Menken, who has done some of the most critically acclaimed music for Disney. Hmm. That's pretty concerning. It's like... Yeah, I just... It's, I, uh, I mean, here's the thing about this. I mean, I think... I don't know. It's like... This, this is really concerning. It's like, you know, if, if Pixar doesn't get it together, if they cannot find a voice, if they're still living in the shadows of Lassiter then maybe they won't do well as much. I mean, I, I don't know if how Unfortunately, when... This is the thing about this. Like, Pixar, I think, somewhere down the line, is going to have a exodus of people who are going to want to go off and do their own thing. I mean, like, uh, we all knew... That's how DreamWorks started. You know, keep this That's in true. mind. Like, yeah, exactly. So, you know, Pixar in itself, I mean, like, uh, you got to think about this as a bunch of flowers. Like, you know, like, uh, hey, you've got this nice... 
bed of flowers. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, and there's people out there that are taking care of those flowers. Now, um, there are going to be some people that, that then certain flowers and certain, you know, gardeners that are in there, they're going to want to do with different, things in different ways. I know this is a really bizarre kind of like analogy to kind of go with, but, uh, you know, like, um, but eventually those flowers are going to pollinate and they're going to, uh, you know, obviously they're going to create more seeds and things like that. And then they're going to go off it into the world and they're going to create more flowers. Like that. And there's going to be yeah. people out there who have been in that garden who are going to want to go off and do their own gardening, you know? So like, uh, it, it, it's just going to be, uh, it's just the natural order of the way these things happen. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure there was like, uh, you know, look at Don Blue, for example, you know, he, he, he fled to Disney and, uh, I know obviously he fell into a lot of bankruptcies and all the stuff that he did, but, uh, he still managed to, uh, get some, you know, some massive movies off the ground. From everything I mean, absolutely. I mean, do you remember when he released an American Tale? It made more money than the Great Mouse Detective. Uh huh. And uh, yeah, it just it's uh, this is going to be a scenario. It's going it's to be interesting, though, to be honest with you. Like, uh, you know, all the people who uh, came out of uh, we're going to be talking about this for a while. I mean, uh, as long as we're still doing this show, uh, so we're going to be talking about how. Oh, hey, did you hear how uh, what's his face from um, Pixar has now decided to open up this whole new studio and now has brought in this all this old new talent and now it's uh, doing all this uh, different kind of crazy stuff and stuff that we never thought of before. And oh, hey, do you see that guy from Illumination Studios? He set up his own thing. And now he's doing all this really wonderful stuff that he's always wanted to do. And this is one thing that uh, Pixar and all these major animation companies are going to struggle to do. And that's just retain talent who feel like they can just venture off on their own and do their own thing. They're not going to keep those people because they aspire to do bigger. And all of them are going to be moving on to streaming sites. Let's be honest. (laughs) Like releasing things theatrically or releasing things on television, they have restrictions. People are experiencing a new wild west of creative, unique content that they cannot do anywhere else unless it's on a streaming site. Why do you think that people are going over to Netflix? Because the stuff that they're posting up now cannot be done in anywhere else. Like, let me ask you something. Bojack Horseman, do you think it would exist if it was airing on TV? Um, On Adult Swim, I probably would say it would exist. I think. I think, you know, here's the thing about this. I mean, dare I say, I think Netflix and also other streaming sites, I think, is probably even taking talent away from TV, if you think about it. Like, uh, I mean, besides besides Rick and Morty and besides uh, maybe one or two other shows, what has Adult Swim done recently, if you really think about it? And, and Robot Chicken. You know, if, if you, know. you guys really think about it, I mean, like, uh, you know, back in the day it was Metalocalypse, and yes, yeah, back in the day it was like really, Robot Chicken was better, it was uh, was really big, and uh, you know, also you had Rick and Morty, obviously that was making things huge as well. But you know, like, uh, yeah, exactly. on top of that as well, like, uh, Adult Swim churned out some real stinkers. When you really think about it, yeah, like, well, you know, I mean, I mean, like, uh, it's, it's turning, it's turning into a full circle because, I mean, let's just say Netflix is not perfect. If a show does not get like a ton of views, it's gonna get canceled. Tuca and Birdie got canceled. And now there's a reversal in which now they're going to be picked up for Adult Swim. So once again, Adult Swim is saving a show that was canceled, and now it's probably going to get a brand new audience again. Same thing happened with Futurama, Family Guy, home movies, you know, shows that had cult followings that got canceled before its time, and now we're safe thanks to Adult Swim. Yeah. So, I mean, here's the thing about this, though. Um, I just think that um, in regards to TV, I still think that uh, there's been there's going to be a massive talent drain I think, as TV starts to kind of, like, decline in ratings and things like that, like, uh, I was looking at, uh, do you see that, um, graphic that they were doing about the most popular television shows from 1950s to, 19- to, to 2019? 
You ever see that graphic that was on there? Like, you know, no. like, Friends dominated for a long while, but the one thing I noticed is that during the time when, you know, streaming sites started to become more prevalent, uh, live TV viewers actually kind of declined. Like, uh, so, at one point, like, I think at the height, I think there was, like, you know, like, something like 30, 40 million viewers, something like that, and then all of a sudden, it kind of declined to, like, you know, 17, 17 million or something like that. You know, like, for the most yeah, popular TV and, shows. And, and, oh, oh, and the movie industry took a hit hard mm-hmm. because of the virus yeah well you know like i think eventually we will get to a situation where movie theaters will reopen at one point and people will want to go to the movies to go watch a flick i mean um disney's already and some other movie companies have already announced that they're going to re-release stuff that's been streaming so trolls world tour will get a theatrical release and uh, uh i think they will re-release um, and- onward yeah. Oh, and um, did you hear the news that they're re-releasing Scott Pilgrim versus the World? Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah, for its 10th anniversary of all the movies that they could have re-released, a movie that flopped in the box office because it was such a niche movie is now being re-released. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah, like, uh, it's, um, I mean, if they have a cult following and they they're going to make money out of it, they're going to do it. So, yeah. Like, yeah. So. Cool. Okay, well, uh, that was that. So we've ventured all the way from Finding Dory to, uh, you know, uh, if movie theaters are going to exist in the future. But, uh, yeah. So I mean, um, like, all I have to say is that, uh, you know, Finding Dory is definitely one of the better movies that came out during Pixar's slump. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think that, um, you know, for those who are, like, disappointed, it's like, oh, it, it's not as good as Finding Nemo. I would suggest you give it another chance because... I mean, it's definitely better than the other sequels that came out that is not Toy Story. Okay, next uh, thing we're going to talk about, um, WWE uh, has apparently has a list of words to avoid saying on their television program. And uh, some of them, I've been told by various people, actually do make sense. By the way, shout out to the Fabulous Heel Nerds, by the way, uh, Nick and Scott. Uh, they told me, that, oh, there's some things in there that are reasonable, but uh, at the same time, you've got to keep this in mind. You have to follow these rules whilst uh, having to deal with a live action product, and in the meantime, you've got Vince McMahon giving you tinnitus over the headset to barking instructions at you. So, like, mm-hmm. uh, it's not a pleasant situation for people all around, but uh, I thought maybe let's go through the list of words to avoid, and let's say if we agree with... Uh, some of the stuff that uh, you would not say on a wrestling show. So, do you want me to go okay. through the list? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Okay. Words to avoid. Um, do not say belt or strap for the tight. We do not have belts or straps. We have championship titles. Uh, the belt represents something to talk about when it represents hard work, dedication, or means accomplishment of goals, bullseyes, or other. So, you're right as a championship or title, but you can't say belt or strap. Okay. Okay. Um, you also cannot refer to the wrestling as the business or our industry. Why would you? Um, because it's. Uh, I guess it's because a lot of people say that it's the it's the work that they're involved in. So it's just they they just call it the business and call it the industry. So it's kind of like okay. saying that. Uh, it's kind of like you're saying that. Oh, I'm in the uh, you know I'm in the insurance industry. Or I'm in the, uh, I'm, I don't know, I'm in the, uh, I'm in the fire safety industry. You know, kind of like, I'm in the self and safety industry. You know, like that, that type, you know, saying that I'm part of an industry, if anything. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so. Um, okay, this is in regards to um, the actual fights themselves. So, you're not allowed to call them a feud. 
Sure. You can't. Okay, you can't call what's going on in the ring a war. Okay. Yeah. Um, you are not allowed to use the words performance, performer, or choreograph. Okay, I can understand that. Because yeah, those are know... understandable. I will agree with that. Okay. Um, now, there are wrestling shows that are referred to as house shows. Now, the reason they're called house shows is because they're not aired on television. But in WWE, you're not allowed to call them a house show. You have to call them live events. I mean, I never even heard of that term, so okay. Okay. Um, you are not allowed to use backstage uh, when backstage segments are happening. You have to use uh, in the back or in the locker room area. Um... Okay. Okay. I don't. Know, I I would say backstage wasn't a problem because it is backstage. No, I, I don't think. I mean, yeah, it literally is backstage. <laughs> okay. Despite the fact that uh, WWE has the term uh, wrestling involved in its name, World Wrestling Entertainment, you are not allowed to use the word pro wrestling or pro wrestler. You have to use the terms superstar, star, or athlete. No. Yeah, I wouldn't agree with that either. Like, it's wrestling. Come on. Um, I mean, you could say that for anything. Star, athlete. You could say that for baseball, basketball. Um, that No. Yeah. I don't, I don't agree. I mean, the thing about this, well, when you think, what, what, what do you think? Think of the first word that pops into your head when you think WWE. What's the first word that comes into your head? Wrestling. I know. It's just, it's, it's wrestling. Call it wrestling. Okay. Um, you are not allowed to use the word international. You have to use global as an alternative phrase or word. I mean, okay. It's inter international is global. <laughs> it's, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Um, okay, so someone who gets a shot at the title, it is no longer allowed to be called a shot. So you cannot use the word title shot. And there's okay. no alternative to use, so basically it's just it's out, it's out there in the end. So, okay. Um, you know, let's use the word acrobatics. I mean, sure, that's fine. I mean, like, I guess, you know, when you think acrobatics, you think of, like, flips and somersaults, maybe, like, in a circus or, you know, that kind of performance. So, sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, you know, let's use the word interesting. What? Yeah, so... Uh, I guess because, maybe because interesting could basically have a negative connotation to it, I guess. Maybe. Okay. Uh, that's the only thing I can think of. Uh, um, you know, let's use the term DQ, as in disqualification. Okay. So you can't say DQ, you have to say, dis I think you have to say disqualified. I mean, that's the only other way, other word you can use around it, I guess. So. I mean, I would just say disqualified anyway. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Um, you can't use the word talent. You have to use the word star, superstar, or diva. Okay, like, what if the person's not good? So does that mean that, oh, you have to be a mediocre star? Or what? what? I have no idea. I mean, here's the thing as well. I think this word to avoid might actually might be a bit dated because the, 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 use, the word diva is no longer used in uh, WWE terminology anymore. They actually are still, re they're actually now referred to as superstars. So, um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. Okay. Um, you cannot use the word me. You have to use the word or, or I. Okay. So how are wrestlers are supposed to introduce themselves 
when they go up on the ring and saying like, I'm going to take you down or something like that. It's like, I get it for like, you know, group wrestlers. It's like, there's no I in team. That makes sense. But how, how do you do uh, that? I, I guess they have to refer to themselves in the third person. I mean, like, uh, that's, that's really weird. Well, Macho Man did, you know, like, the Macho yeah, but that's Man, Macho Randy Man. Savage. You know, oh, yeah. Yeah, I yeah but that's, but that was who they were, you know? That's how they referred to themselves. It's like Sergeant Slaughter's, like, Sergeant Slaughter's going to take you down. Now we're going to hear that with everybody. It's like, the, you know, I don't know, like, The Rock is going to. The Rock himself in the third person, yeah. I used to do that all the time. So, oh, that's right. Yeah. So yeah. So I okay, mean, the sure. Rock, Macho Man, are, are bad examples. I mean, I just don't think. Um, I don't know, actually. Like, um, it's just it's. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess it's just maybe they got away with it once or twice. Maybe. I don't know, but uh, okay. Inside terms. Now, inside terms are basically um, term terminology that wrestlers use amongst themselves and talent use amongst themselves. So they're not allowed to use the terms heel, which usually means bad guy, baby face, which usually means the good guy, uh, blown up, which uh, usually means that they're tired, um, shoot, which usually means that uh, they go off script to basically insult a wrestler, uh, rib, which usually means um, a j practical joke that's played on a wrestler, you know, backstage, you know, off the cameras and things like that, uh, mark, which is a uh, term used for a fan who sees the past all the bad sides of a wrestler and will, will happily just uh, accept that person as all good and all knowing and uh, doesn't pull any faults or anything like that. So, yeah, this I agree with, actually. Inside terms, yeah, it definitely shouldn't be used on, on TV. Okay. Okay. Um, you can't refer to the United States as the US. You have to refer to it as the United States. Okay. What about America? Um... Actually, I think you refer to it as America because it's America. So America. Um, you can't refer to the fa fans as fans. <laughs> what? Makes you wonder why their fans are leaving. You know, but uh, uh, as possible. Okay, when possible, refer to the audience as you. What? Um, huh? In other, situa in other situations, ID, ID them as raw fans or our fans. Subtle. Yeah. Raw fans. So basically what they're saying is that don't just generally refer to them as fans. You have to either refer to them as raw fans, SmackDown fans, our fans, um, chicken wing fans. I, I, I don't know. Just uh, um, uh, cooling fans. You know, just it's, uh, yeah. That's how you... Okay, so... Or Cena fans, including that. You can actually refer to them as John Cena fans if you wanted to. Or The Rock fans. Or like... Uh, oh, my goodness. Well, The Rock, the Rock would be people. I mean, because obviously, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's the people's champion. So, I guess. Um, you can't use the word hospital. You have to use the word medical center. Is, okay. Is that a term in America that I'm not familiar with in the UK? Yeah, I mean, we do... Uh, yes, the, there is such thing as medical centers, yes. But How do they differ from hospitals? Or do they differ from no, hospitals? I mean, I'm sure... Well, they're smaller, first of all. And, you know, you probably go over there for, like, a checkup or something. But, you know, like a hospital, it's, like, bigger rooms. And, you know, you probably are in, like, critical condition. Okay. So. I mean, we've got, like... So we have hospitals and we have, like, clinics. And then we have GP yeah. practices, which are general practices in a 
general practitioner like areas where you go to the GP and then they'll diagnose with a, oh, hey, you've got this thing and you need to go to the hospital for it. So then you would get recommended right, to go right. to hospital, stuff like that. I get it. They're probably just saying like, oh, you know, like they're at the, you know, they're at the medical center, which means that, oh, maybe their injury wasn't too bad. Okay. You know, like, uh, oh, well, that wrestler's got a rush. Here he is at the GPs, you know. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, he's got to go get his uh, painkiller medication. Here he is at the pharmacy. Like, imagine if they did that. Like, you know, like every little thing, like in a wrestler's life, all of a sudden became like a a, a, a noted thing for their, you know, for the show. <laughs> like, uh, just, uh, oh, my goodness. But, um, okay. You can't use the word faction. You have to use the word group. Okay. Okay. And uh, please use now available instead of on sale. Subtle. Okay. Um, we never wanted to use the term, uh, the title is on the line. Please use the more creative term, the title will be defended, etc. Oh, but if you're okay. defending a title, the title is on the line. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Some of these are understandable. Others I could not work with. I'm eventually going to fall foul of these words. I'm sorry. You know, like, uh, and some of that as well. Like, seeing how pressurized. I uh, mean, to keep this in mind, I used to commentate for in ring sports back in the day. You know, like, uh, so this was, was was my thing. So the idea that I would have to abide by these rules, I think uh, it would be very difficult for me to do. I'll be honest with everybody. I don't even think I'd be doing it if it came to that point. And that's just me. Okay, apologies, everybody. We've. Uh, Discord has basically just. Uh, decided to stop working with us, so we have to change over to Skype. So, um, we're going to do this last segment uh, over the uh, over a more, hopefully, a more reliable line. So, uh, we are going to now go through the Daytime Emmy Award nominations. So, and uh, surprisingly, there has been some um, ones for Nickelodeon, despite the fact that they had such a miserable time at uh, the Kids' Choice Awards. So, uh, mm. um, yeah. So, uh, shall we go through them all and uh, see what we think? Yeah. Cool. All right, then. So, first up, we're going to go to Outstanding Performance by a Lead Actor in a Drama Series. Uh, the uh, the nominees include Steve Burton from General Hospital, um, Thorson K from The Bold and the Beautiful, uh, John Lindstrom from General Hospital, uh, Jason Thompson from uh, The Young and the Restless, and uh, Theo Pantheogilis uh, from Days of Our Lives. I don't watch soap operas. No, neither do I. So none of the above. <laughs> oh, goody. We're going to do that for oh, the Emmys. Again, yeah. Okay. Um, again, the other ones, um, these outstanding performances and lead actresses in a drama series, once again, are just the same shows. So I'm just going to skip over that. Um, same for supporting actor and same for supporting actress. I'm trying to get some ones where uh, young performer in a drama series. Yeah, they're the same ones. Um, same outstanding. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Outstanding Legal Courtroom Program. Uh, the nominees include uh, Hot Bench, uh, Judge Judy, uh, The People's Court, uh, Judge Matthias, and uh, Lauren Lake's Paternity Court. Uh, again, I don't watch, you know, court shows. And guys, if you watch these shows, you have no life. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, Outstanding Morning Show. Uh, the nominees include CBS Sunday Morning, uh, CBS This Morning, uh, Today Show, Good Morning America, and Sunday Today with Willie Geist. Hmm. Um, 
my picks are either going to be CBS Sunday Morning or Good Morning America. I think Good Morning America is probably going to take it because uh, they've, they've, they've been getting a lot of uh, attention. Not just in America, but I think worldwide too. Okay. So like, uh, I think we should see that. That's, that's like the uh, take the one. Um, outstanding Game Show. The nominees include Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? That's still going. Um, yes. Double Dare. I know that's your favorite. Um, mm-hmm. The Price is Right, Jeopardy, and Family Feud. Kind of ironic that Double Dare is being nominated for an Emmy, even though that that show has been off the air for a few months now. Well, it still comes within the the parameters of the award. So, like, fair uh, enough. Yeah. So, uh, oh yeah, oh, I'll tell you what. Do you think? Do you think being Mark Sum- it being Mark Summers? Do you think they might just give this to him? You know, as like, uh, oh hey, you know, good on you. I mean, like, uh, kind of treat it as like, well, it's not a lifetime achievement award, but it is sort of. <laughs> in a way, I don't know. Like, we'll I, I don't know. How the, I don't know how the Academy works in this regard. So, like, uh, that's the reason I always say that the Kids' Choice Awards are probably more representative than probably the, uh, the, the than the Emmys or Oscars or anything like that. You know. So, right. Uh, okay. Outstanding game show host. Uh, the nominees include Wayne Brady as uh, for uh, on Let's Make a Deal, Steve Harvey on Family Feud, uh, Alfonso Ribeiro in Catch Twenty One, um, Pat Sajak in Wheel of Fortune, and uh, Alex Trebek in Jeopardy. I mean, with everything that Alex has been going through with Jeopardy, I think he should deserve the win. Yeah, and uh, you know, Jeopardy's still uh, Jeopardy's been on for years. Like, you know, it's it's such a it's such a big big show. Hey, let me have this though. Like, uh, Jeopardy, as far as I'm aware, has yet to catch on in the UK. Really? Um, it's one show. That, I mean, we have we have lots of game shows, but that's one that's never made its way over to to the UK. Huh? You know, like, uh, and we had Supermarket Sweep for crying out loud. You know, <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Um, outstanding informative talk show host. Uh, sorry, I, I, I should say that again. Outstanding informative talk show. Okay, the nominees include uh, Rachel Ray, uh, Red Table Talk, The View, <laughs> Today Show with uh, with Hoda oh and Jenna, and uh, the third hour of today. Oh my God! If The View won, oh my God! Why would The View win? Like, you know, it's just, it's, it's just terrible commentary. It is. If you want to see how bad it is, go watch that SNL skit, uh, you know, that features, <laughs> well, the newer SNL skit where they basically made fun of the car- the, the, the host Gary. of The View. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Like, it's so b- abysmal that we now refer to them as characters and not as hosts. Of that yeah, show. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> These characters. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. Great. Yeah. Okay, outstanding informative. Actually, we didn't pick who was going to actually going to win the outstanding. I don't care. I don't, I don't care. care. Okay, none of the above. Um, outstanding informative talk show host. The nominees include Whoopi Goldberg, Joey Bear, Maiden McCain, Sonny Hostin, and Abby Huntsman, and uh, Anna Navarro uh, for the View. Um, Tamron Hall in Tamron Hall. Uh, Larry King in Larry King now. He's still going. Uh, Jada Pinkett yep. Smith, Willow Smith, and Adrian Banfield Norris in Red Table Talk. And Hoba Knob, Hoba Co, is it Hoda Copt and Jenna Bush Hager in Today's Show with uh, Hoda and Jenna. I mean, if the view wins, then I lost hope in humanity. I heard, well, would you be surprised if it won? I mean, like, uh, I don't know. Uh, mind you, the view doesn't get talked about that often unless people are making fun of it. So, right. like, uh, maybe that probably might be my yeah, that might uh, say something. I'm not too sure. 
Um, Outstanding Entertainment Talk Show. The nominees include The Ellen DeGeneres Show, um, GMA3, uh, Strashing Kara and Kiki, um, The Kelly Clarkson Show, um, Live with Kelly and Ryan, and The Talk. I don't watch any of those. No. I guess Ellen DeGeneres might take it. She's been... Maybe. Maybe. Not sure. Either that or Kelly Clarkson. Okay. Um, outstanding Entertainment Talk Show host. Uh, the nominees include Richard uh, Michaels Starin from the Sarah Haynes and Kiki Palmer and GM, GMA3 uh, show. Kelly Clarkson, The Kelly Clarkson Show. Um, Sarah Gilbert, Sharon Osborne, Cheryl Underwood, Eve, Carrie Ann and Beda and Murray Osmond in The Talk. Uh, Murray Provich and Murray uh, and uh, Kelly Ripper and Ryan Seacrest in Live with Kelly and Ryan. Again, uh, I, I've never seen any of these shows. I mean, I don't watch stuff in the morning like well, this. Why would Murray win this award? He's pretty much been doing the same shit over and over and over and over and over and over and over again for since as far as I can remember. And it's got to the point now where even, like, you know the kids who are, like, in the custody battles? Like, uh, it's even getting to the point where even the kids are now growing up and now they're in paternity battles with kids. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's just, it's ridiculous. Like, I'm really surprised this show still keeps going. I'm surprised Maury hasn't retired yet. I mean, is he going to keep doing this until he dies? I like it. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, Outstanding Entertainment News Show. Uh, The nominees include Access Hollywood, uh, E! News, Entertainment Tonight, Extra, and Inside Edition. I mean, they all talk about behind-the-scenes stuff on movies. I guess some of them have more interviews than others. Yeah. But, you know, it doesn't all feel that imaginative, does it? You know, like all these nominees. Like they're still they're still the same shows that probably were watching maybe like, you know, maybe 10, 20 years ago. Yeah. Something like that. Like it's just it's uh, Yeah, I mean like I understand that these shows were really crucial to knowing about the stuff now, but now that we have the internet, it's like I don't even need to watch them anymore. No. Like uh, I mean, maybe somewhere down the line maybe they probably might be streaming sometime. I mean they might just be doing some different stuff. Who knows? I don't know. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, that was uh, not as eventful as I thought it was going to be. So uh, we got to change. Pretty, change pretty, pretty lackluster. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's everything that we got going. So um, yeah, just uh, if you want to find me on Facebook, it's facebook.com forward slash Arometa Show. Um, Twitter is at Arometa Show. A R U N M E H T A S H O W. If you want to ask me a question, it's on Tumblr. It's arometa.tumblr.com. And if you want to find me on Instagram, it's once again Arometa Show. A R U N M E H T T A S H O W. Patricia, where can everyone find you on the social media interwebs? Uh, that would be facebook.com slash oldschoollane at twitter at patty underscore b underscore miranda youtube.com slash oldschoollane I post my stuff on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, all that kind of stuff. Cool. So that's it for another episode and we will see you all next week but uh, if we don't see you then uh, happy Memorial Weekend. Uh, Happy birthday to my beautiful sweetheart once again and uh, we wish you all uh, a wonderful three day weekend or if you've had a wonderful three day weekend so far a lovely rest of the week. Thanks everybody. Take care and bye bye for now. See you later.